So my friends, today we celebrate this Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, which is a continuation of the epiphany of God's manifestation um, to his people. The baptism is actually celebrated. Today would be the octave day of our celebration of the epiphany, since we celebrated the epiphany last Sunday. In other calendars, when the epiphany is celebrated on January 6th, the baptism of the Lord would be celebrated on January 12th, uh, the octave day of the Epiphany, because it's still part of the same feast. Remember, it's one feast. God making himself known to us. God making himself manifest to us, coming to meet us. And that today we consider that in the aspect of our Lord's baptism. That at the beginning of his public ministry, Christ came to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now, baptism for every single one of us is um, first about the removal of sins and then about elevation to grace. We'll get to that in a second. But Jesus didn't need either of those because he had no sin and he already had the fullness of grace through the hypostatic union. Um, But so what happens? Well, when Jesus is baptized, rather than baptism having these effects on him, he gives these effects to baptism, right? So baptism is made holy by God being baptized. Rather than baptism making him holy, he, by his overwhelming holiness um, and his perfect holiness and who he is as God, is able to sanctify baptism, right? Uh, It's like, I I like Chuck Norris jokes. Chuck Norris jokes, they're kind of dated, but they always make me laugh. Um, There was a joke, you know, um, jokes can help us in difficult times. So there was a joke, um, you know, Chuck Norris caught COVID and now COVID has to quarantine, right? Something like that. Uh, but that there, there's something about like, no, um, that's a secular example. But our Lord, in a real way, like Jesus was baptized and baptism was made holy, right? And that's what happens. That's what he does. So what effects then does the baptism of our Lord have on baptism itself? And therefore, those that are transferred to us when we are baptized. Well, baptism does two things. It cleanses us and it elevates us. And these are um, two ways of looking at God's grace in our life. Gratia sanens and gratia elevans. It's um, sanitizing grace and elevating grace. So sanitizing. Baptism washes away our sins. It washes away the original sin, which we all inherit on account of our human nature at our birth. It washes away that original sin. And then if we're baptized past the age of reason, it washes away all personal sin. All per, you know, the few adults that I've baptized, some of them are like, Father, do I need to go to confession before baptism? No, no, no. It all gets washed away. It's all, it's all totally wiped away in the sacrament. You never even have to confess those sins if you get baptized as an adult. They get washed away. Gratia sanans, the cleansing, the healing of our sinfulness, the washing away of it, being sanitized of our sins. But then God doesn't just restore us to where we were, like with Adam and Eve before sin or anything like that. God doesn't just restore us. He also elevates us. Gratia elevans, that God raises us up. Again, an example, it kind of be like, If I got into a car accident and just the body of my car and needed some work, and so I go to the mechanic and, you know, gratia sanans. Okay, Father, we'll fix the body of your car. No problem. It'll look like new. You know, um, gratia elevans. We're going to give you a brand new engine while we're at it, right? Wow. Okay, thank you. Right? Elevating us. Lifting us up to better than where we were before. Um, And that that is what we have on account of our baptism. On account of each of our baptisms, we are lifted higher than 
Adam and Eve, right? They had preternatural gifts. There's a little bit of a difference there. But the point is, we are still lifted higher than Adam and Eve. Because when we are baptized in Christ Jesus, all of you um, who have been baptized in Christ have put on Christ, St. Paul says. That we put on Christ. And so we, are, we become adopted sons and daughters of God the Father. That we get adopted into the life of the Trinity. Because of our baptism, we share in the actual life of the Trinity. The way that Jesus calls the Father, Father, the way the Son, the Son in the Trinity, calls the Father, Father, we call him Father on account of our baptism. And so when we pray the Our Father, it's not just like a nice term. Like, no, we really call the Father, Father, the way Jesus did. Abba, Father, divine filiation, that we are adopted sons and daughters of God the Father. And there's three points about this filiation that, that to really kind of bring it home for us of what this means for our spiritual life, the gift that we're given in baptism. Our filiation, it's not earned by us. It's earned by Jesus. He earned it um, by his baptism in the Jordan and fulfilled in his death and resurrection. That we don't earn it. I did nothing to earn my baptism. And any person who's baptized, they don't earn their adoption as a son or daughter of God. They, it's a free gift from God. It's not earned. It's totally gratuitous. It's totally out of God's goodness. Talking about natural generation. Like, I didn't do anything to earn being part of my family. I didn't earn the ability to call my mom and dad mom and dad. Right? I, that, that's a totally free gift uh, on account of my birth. On account of our rebirth and baptism, we have that with God the Father. Not something earned. And because it's not something that's earned, it's not something that can be lost. You never lose divine affiliation. You are always, if you are baptized, you are always an adopted son or daughter of God the Father, fully sharing the status of being that son or daughter, being a child of God. It's not something you lose, even when you sin. Even when you sin, you're still a son or daughter of God. All you have to do, like the parable of the prodigal son, which I think we'll hear later this Lent, or maybe next year, I can't remember. But all you have to do is come back. If we wander far away, I, who am I going to go back to? I'm going to go back to my father. He's still my father. He still loves me. No matter how far I want to run, I am still beloved by God the Father. And I'm running away from my father. When I sin, I'm offending my father, God. Right? Again, this is something that's important when we see it with regard to our, you know, our personal sins. Because then our sin, this is the gift of fear of the Lord. Our sin is not just against a faceless God or against some, you know, unknown deity. We sin against our dad. Like, he's our father. He loves us. He adopted us. And so our sins are acts against him. Right? If, if any random person wants to be disrespectful to my mother or father, like, okay, Whatever, like that's not good, and I, I'm not gonna tolerate it. But, um, but if they, what are you gonna do? If me or my sister want to do the same exact thing, how much more grievous is it, right? Therefore, our sins are all the more grievous because we're part of the family. I'm, I'm offending the God who loves me and has adopted me. There, um, 
you can't not be Catholic. Once you're Catholic, you're Catholic for the rest of your life. Baptism changes us for all of eternity. We're always Catholic. And we should be very careful. There was some rhetoric going around over the summer and early fall about saying that people, public people, who are baptized Catholic but don't act in a Catholic way or even do things against the, the good of the church and the good of the natural law, um, that they're somehow not Catholic. No, they are Catholic. And as a result, those actions are all the more grievous because they're part of our family, right? They're part, they, we should, that should be a, a mea culpa, right? My sin, that my brother or sister in Christ is acting in a way completely contrary to the family um, and completely against our father. But we, it's never something we lose. It's not something we earn. It's not something we can ever lose. And it should be this divine filiation should be the basis of our spiritual life. I'm a son of God. I, I, Father Michael Casey, have been adopted by God the Father. I call God Father. What more do I need for my spiritual life? Like, oh, I don't know how to get my spiritual life started. Get it started. God's already my Father. Like, I'm already miles ahead, right? Because God's my Father. What do I have to do? It's an objective relationship. And so if, we, if we're kind of in a rut with our spiritual life, just stick with like, God is my father. And just as much as he said to our Lord at his baptism here in the gospel, he says it to you and to me. Whenever we're in a rut, just go to this, right? You, you've been baptized. It says to our Lord, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. You, you're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased, right? God's total love for us. What can beat that? And so, my friends, this is the gift that's given to us in our baptism. This is the love that God has poured out into our souls. He's sanitized us, gratia sanans, cleansed us of our sins. He's elevated us, gratia elevans. And we gave, he gave us his gift of divine filiation that we haven't earned, that we can never lose. And that should be the basis for a robust spiritual life, considering that God is my father, my good father who loves me now and for all of eternity.